ever wonder if you like a brewery solely because you visited it at the right time? Does being on vacation or taking a trip away from home heighten the enjoyment of stopping by a local brewery? I've always wondered this as my family and I visited the same beach town every other year and a brewery happened to open there. Is the brewery really that great? Or is it simply because I'm a 16-hour drive from my life's worrisome responsibilities? Is the beer really that good? Or is it because I've spent hours in the sun on the beach and in the water and I'm in my happy place? I'm pretty sure it's a fantastic brewery, but either way, I don't care. This is the point of this podcast, to help you visit breweries that aren't just wonderful places to visit on their own, but to have a whole experience of combining breweries with the adventure of travel. My name is Andy Erickson, and on this episode of the Thirsty to Explore podcast, I'm talking with Ryan Schomberger from the Big Beach Brewing in Gulf Shores, Alabama, about brewing on the Gulf Coast, snowbirds, hurricanes, and what they're doing for the local community. Thanks for joining us. Um, please tell us who you are and what you do for the brewery. Uh, I'm Ryan Schamberger. I'm one of four from the Schamberger family that founded this brewery in 2016. Uh, there's At the time, there was no brewery within uh, a 40-minute drive from here. And we just sort of thought to ourselves, like, why can't our lovely little beach town that has millions of visitors a year and a pretty large population i think there's about twenty thousand of us on this tiny island why, why, why don't we have a brewery and it kind of became a rhetorical question that we we answered with the 10 barrel brew house and uh you know for fry brewing at this point about 1200 barrels a year and then because of our success there's no breweries have really opened around us because I'm, I'm not sure uh you know if they really want to enter, enter our little market we've got cornered here so every other year, I take my family down to Gulf Shores, Alabama, uh, on a family vacation, and uh, you know, I was always asking myself, why isn't there a brewery down here? <laughs> and after our second trip, I believe that's when I saw the sign that you guys were uh, building the brewery. So uh, we knew we had to come back in uh, a few years and look gotcha. forward to so it. Wait, have, have you have you been here since we opened? Uh, yes, uh, we've been there three times now, I believe. Oh, great! Oh, awesome! Okay, so. You've- I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad you'll be able to hear, hear what we described through this. But, you know, it's um, you know, it, part of it too is you know we we live here, and most most bars that were here before the brewery they're, they're just so focused on on tourism that when we just we just really wanted a place that this community called their own, you know, and like of course we welcome tourists that that like craft beer, but a lot of the events and a lot of you know, the energy we put into uh, sort of efforts for the community here. It really is about the local local community. That's what I'm trying to do with this podcast: is encourage people to, uh, when they travel, instead of just staying to the touristy areas, to actually visit with the locals, have a drink, listen to music, um, right? <laughs> you know, experience the actual local culture. Speaking of musicians, I know that you guys bring in a lot of musical acts, and that's kind of a big thing of what you do. Uh, could you let us know a little bit more about that? Yeah, um, it, most of the year we have uh, music Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Sorry, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, in the fall, we, we skip Saturday for music just because of, of the, the craze for college football around here. Um, but yeah, we, we just we try to we try to book a variety of music. Uh, definitely trying to support locals, but if, if there happens to be bands that the locals know and support that are passing through and you know we get recommendations from people that we know and trust 
we usually book them and you know sometimes they're flops and sometimes they're they're golden moments that you know hard to repeat because they're they're just traveling artists that may never even come through again but um in general i'd say it's kind of our crowd lends towards you know sort of americana and classic rock and i would almost call jam and funk music you know new orleans inspired stuff um but you know we we built a big stage outside that you know, it's kind of built for a five or a six piece, but it's got a little side section. If, if you were to bring some a brass section, you could fit up to nine to ten players on there. And for a, for a brewery that only has about 140 person capacity, it's it's a lot of sound for um, you know not, not that many folks. But it, it seems to be working out. And you know, the, you know, the, one of the main things about right front of the house brewing is is you know you're just paying bartenders to a pretty low right labor. So we, we kind of see it as, as like, well, we, we, we can afford to pay musicians, you know, and, and, and that's, that's the labor that really is um, coming through. But yeah, I mean, there's, there's some bands that we, we, we you know, we're, we're just booking them monthly because they're, I mean, they're, they're neighbors, <laughs> you know, these are talented musicians that live here blocks away. And um, that would include the, the destinations, slide by you. Um, there's, there's, you know, again, a crab riot. These, these are folks that, bring in the local crowd. So we just, you know, again, book locals to bring in locals and it all kind of comes back to that mission. Yeah. I mean, we travel with our kids. So going to a brewery isn't always the most uh, entertaining thing for them. You know, they can't have a drink and uh, there's not usually a lot for them to do, but when there's something like a band then they can, you know, have a good time, dance, just listen to music, um, you know, make a night of it. Awesome. Yeah, no, I mean, that, that was, you know, certainly number one was is getting beer drinkers in, but shortly after that, it was it was dog and kid friendly. And um, you know, we don't have necessarily a, a huge infrastructure to like to you know to like it's you know to like for the dogs to be entertained or for the kids to be entertained, but but they are welcome here. So I mean that and that's kind of you know it's, it's kind of a come one come all, and then kind of the other side of that back to the tourism driven market around us. Most seat, most tables and seats you go to anywhere in Gulf Shores and Orange Beach, you know, the, the, the serving staff's actually trained to, to turn tables over, right? It's like you got to you feed them, you get, get them to pay the bell, and you move on, you know, and you can get some tables that seat three or four people a night. Folks that come here, they basically will, will never be rushed out of a table. I and mean, we don't care if they're sitting there drinking water all night. It's their community space, and they can use it how they want. So it's just kind of, it kind just kind of has this casual atmosphere that lends towards, I mean, lends towards the best way to put it is letting a conversation see its entirety, right? You're never going to cut conversations short with here's the bill or here's this or that. And, and, and that's important for a community to have that kind of space to, to really work those things out. And to go along with that, um, you guys don't serve food yourself, but you get a lot of food trucks, correct? Uh, we, we, for a while there before COVID, we were getting kind of a, a regular um, mix of food trucks, but with labor shortages and the challenges of, of post-COVID hospitality world down here, we, we, we bought our own food truck. And we, for, I think for the last year and a half, we've, we've run our own food truck. And um, it, it's worked out well because there's no, there's no one pulling at the strings of that, that food truck. We, 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 we built it, we bought it to be our rolling kitchen since we don't really have a kitchen here in the brewery. So it, it is our kitchen, just happens to be on wheels. Oh, yeah. Uh, do you guys got a name for that? Yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, Nom Nom Food Truck, N-O-M-N-O-M. <laughs> come, get, come get your Nom Noms. 
<laughs> and uh, when we were there in July, you guys kind of have a uh, space built for the truck. Is that right? Uh, yeah, yeah. We It was a loading dock solely, and then we, we kind of built a deck by it and put up some railing and a canopy. And, yeah, we, we now the, the load it, you know, basically Monday – Monday through Thursday, it's a loading dock for brewery, and then half of Thursday through Sunday, it's a food it's a food truck parking spot. So it's it's uh we're we're you know it's a it's a bit of a postage stamp of a property we got here, but we're we're really making it work for us. Mm-hmm. Um. So you guys talk about being uh, very local focused, um, but you're still in a, a beach town, so it's touristy. Uh, I talked to a brewery uh, up north in Maryland on the beach, and um during the the winter time or fall time uh it gets pretty dead for them uh do you guys see that seasonality or uh, since you kind of have more steady weather yeah we, we we certainly see a cycle you can you can always expect the summer to just be busy it's just more people down here it's just kind of a it's like a, a war of attrition like people are here they want cold beer obviously and they, they kind of this has become a, a check the box destination for people that are on vacation down here and then, so yeah, it, once the school year starts, it slows. But I mean, uh, the snowbird season here has, was kind of a surprise to us. It wasn't in our business model. It's something we didn't expect. But slowly but surely, they discovered us. And the last two years, we've we've had months in you know February, March, and that are just as busy as the summertime. And I, I kind of equate that to the these snowbirds are coming from towns where they might have an option to go to eight to 10 or more breweries, you know, up in uh, Minnesota, Michigan, Ohio, these, these places that just brew, you know, breweries have been there for forever. And so that when they come down here to, to spend the winter, they basically have one option. And, you know, luckily that option is something that they, they seem to approve of so far. So we're starting to see this basically summertime and then wintertime. And then, and, and which is, which is funny to me because all the locals, our favorite time of year here is spring and fall. You know, we, we, we enjoy the, the kind of the shoulder seasons of the school year, but it, it all, it just all seems to be working out. And, um, we're just great. And I, you know, we're, we're just grateful that if this, if part of the tap room has snowbirds in it, that you still see the locals come in and they don't, they don't really, they don't really see that as a, a threat on their territory, if that makes sense. It's just, it just, I think because of the casual nature of, of what we built here, you've, you've got all these different, um, I mean, yeah, I, I guess you could just say characters, right. From different backgrounds and, and their intents, they're all just here hanging out and enjoying. And, you know, and, and you know, again, the, our goal is to have, have people that from those different backgrounds, just be able to enjoy beer with each other. So, um, yeah, it's, it's fun. <laughs> So uh, where do you guys get the most snowbirds from, or is that something you can even? Uh... Uh, oh, man. It's, I mean, it's anywhere it snows, right? So it, it basically anywhere from the Dakotas all, all the way to – you don't really see many past New York. You know, if you're a – if you live in Vermont, New Hampshire, Maine, I mean, you, you've signed up for, for winters, and, you know, you don't really leave them. But, yeah, we, you know, we, we, have a new, we have the New York Snowbird Club and the Michigan Snowbird Club and – you know, they kind of, they come and ask for door prizes for their, their meetings and such. And, you know, we're just, we're happy to oblige, but, you know, we, we've created an entire music segment in the afternoons for snowbirds. Cause they like to hear music early and, and we, we've named a beer flight of the snowbirds. <laughs> and, you know, we, we, we leaned into it as opposed to sort of warding it off. And, it, and it, I don't think it's really, you know, the, the, because they, they're early drinkers and they're, they're early to bed. It just, 
it still allows our locals to come in at their normal hours, you know. You're a uh, brewery near the beach. Uh, do you find that some beer styles don't work well all year round, or uh, do you cycle things out through the seasons? Uh, I mean, we, we cycle out winter beers for the summer is the best way to put it. We don't do a lot of dark beers in the summer. We People just want crisp and light and refreshing. Um, the fruited sours have, have been hit all year. We, we thought we would take them off for the winter once you kind of leave the hot season, like, oh, they don't want something pretty and refreshing, but nope, they want that all year. Uh, I would, you know, I would say, I mean, there's some of the traditional styles like Saison's haven't really sold well. Um, this is an interesting one, but we, we have a pale ale that won second best beer in Alabama by beer judges. It, it was a, it was a, it was a pale ale, but because of the culture here, a lot of folks, when 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 they see pale ale on the menu, they think it means like a, a light lager because they're thinking, oh, pale means light. And it's just a matter of the the beer culture and the beer judging culture not really overlapping with the Southern culture. So we basically stopped brewing pale ales simply because our bartender, we, we got tired of our bartenders having to explain that a pale ale is actually pretty bitter and it's got a full flavor to it. It's not uh, the light lager you're thinking about. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you guys have a honey basil wheat beer yeah. that, uh, you know, I always look forward to having every time we come down there. But uh, this last trip in July, you guys didn't have it ready yet. I think you uh, must have been brewing it later than usual. Or Yeah, I mean, we, we did have a shakeup in brew house personnel. And then uh, we we just, we got kind of behind in our seasonal brew schedule. But yeah, no, that that's a it's a crowd favorite when it comes out. It goes quickly, and we always try to pair the the food truck menu with you know with what goes with basil. But yeah, it's, it's just it's such a unique beer that people are are kind of hesitant to try. But usually, anyone who ever gets it on a flight is going to order a pint of it. And you know, we we kind of have a system that tracks that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's a, it's a fun beer, and he and he's won now two medals for that beer with the the honey beer competition of America. Uh, yeah, that's how I discovered it. And, uh, you know, I always suggest it to anybody who's coming down that way to give it a try. I know it sounds a little weird, but um, that's one of my favorites. No, that's great. Um, you guys are obviously on the beach, as we've talked about multiple times, um, and you've seen your fair share of tropical storms and hurricanes, even in the short life of the brewery. Uh, how have you guys fared? Uh, well, so we've only had one, I would call major hurricane since we opened and that was hurricane Sally. And that, that one took us all by surprise. So, you know, the, the general trend that we're starting to see is previously you had hurricanes that just, they would build and build and build. And then normally when they got on the continental shelf, which is the relatively shallow water right off the coastline, you would actually see those bigger ones kind of diminish a little bit. But now with all the heat that's kind of generated from runoff from rivers and just increased, you know, sun. And, you know, I, I don't want to use any buzzwords like uh, climate change or yada, yada, but there's something happening now where you have relatively small storms that as soon as they hit the shelf, they're ballooning. That happened with hurricane Michael and hit Mexico beach. And it happened with hurricane Sally and hit us. Uh, we, we're on, we are in what I would consider an historic part of Gulf shores. This is one of the, like some of the buildings around us are the oldest buildings uh, on the island. And that's because it's, it is kind of one of the high points. And, you know, but when I say high, I mean, we're only talking 12, 13 feet. It's relative to the things around us. Um, so, yeah, I, I think in a category three or four, our little area here that we call the Waterway Village would be all right. Just as we were in Sally, we 
you know, we had a couple of branches down and we were back open within, I think, three days serving beer again. Um, not trying to downplay Sally. There were a lot of people hurt and affected by it. We Again, we just happened to be at high ground. But I do think if a Category 5 kind of hit Gulf Shores, I mean, it, w- it would be pretty devastating for the brewery and homes. I mean, it, it Category 5 is a Category 5, and we just cross our fingers. It never comes our way. A lot of people call it the H word around here. Don't say the H word. <laughs> sure. I mean, when we plan to go down there, we make our, our plans in, you know, January, February for July. So it's always a gamble um, what the weather's going to be like. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it's, uh, you know, for, you know, we, we, our friends that have scheduled weddings or any sort of events in September, October are like, it's pretty risky. You know, that's, that's when Ivan was and that's when Sally was and that's when Frederick was. So yeah. We, you know, my, my wife and I, and I tell a lot of the, the key players here at the brewery, I was like, don't, don't really plan on any vacations in September, October, because that's kind of, kind of seems to be our, our danger zone. So in your breweries, you have some pretty interesting uh, tap handles. Do you have those locally made or where do you get those from? Yeah, uh, cur- currently we have, um, it's an octopus set. So you've got four that are tentacles and then four that represent the head and then four other tentacles. So it's 12 taps. And yeah, there's a there's a lady named Carrie Parks. She's she works at a place called the Hot Shop in Orange Beach, and we we, we commit. I had this vision for this octopus almost an opening day in 2016, but it was about three, almost four years later, where we commissioned her to make them. And uh, yeah, we just we just think they're fun and you know represent the the fun of the sea and the ocean and of course the beach. But uh, yeah, no, we get lots of questions about them, and and Carrie, we have we have a lot of talented artists here, whether it's music or glass blowing or painting or pottery. Uh, just just like any other beautiful area of the world, artists are drawn to those places. So uh, we're just glad we get to represent some of their work here in the in the tap room. To go along with that, uh, we want people to come visit you guys, and we've talked about how there's the beach there. But uh, is there any other things you would suggest people do, um, being that uh, you're more local? Oh, uh, you know, I mean, the the, the real gems of of Gulf Shores specifically is, is bordered on one side by Bon Secours National Wildlife Refuge and then on the other side by the Gulf State Park. And for me, those, those two areas with their trails, they both have incredible trails, are, are the highlights of, of, of what, what is going on in here. And, then, you know, whoever, I wish I could give you names of who had the foresight to protect these areas, but, the, you know, you're, you're talking, you, you mean it, in the Gulf State Park alone, You've got you. You could spend 22 miles on trails without seeing any roads. You know that you you could explore that backcountry. And then there's some very great trails. There's actually one called the Pine Beach Trail at the Bonscore National Wildlife Refuge, where you get to hike through the coastal forest and then a long little lagoon and Gator Lake. And then you actually get to go over these very large sand dunes and you kind of enter this this huge white beach that has no development at all. And you really just get to enter um, a little bit of the past and you know. You know, not not so, you know, not so far ago, past, like far long ago, past where it's sort of uh, as it was in the '60s and '50s. So that's what I would do. And then, but out, outside of you know the, the outdoor arena of hiking and biking, uh, you know, just just getting in the water. You know, whether it's you're you're chartering a boat for fish, or there's a bunch of boats you can just charter to go what we call bobbin. Have you are you familiar with that term? <laughs> I'm not sure if I am. Yeah, bobbin is just where you, you kind of hang out, waste, you know, to nipple deep water with, uh, you know, you got some food, you got some drinks, and it's just, just so hot that it feels good to just wade in the water for, 
for hours at a time. And there's, there's boats you can charter like the, out of Orange Beach and Gulf Shores. It'll, you can just go, go enjoy yourself and enjoy the beach and go bobbing because, you know, the beaches get very crowded here in the summer. So if you if you take the, the time to to charter a boat or bring or tow your own boat down and launch it, the the amount of area that you can explore is just it's a hundredfold more because you're able to poke into all these back bayous and beaches and then you know you got you've got Wolf Bay you've got Ingram's Bayou you've got Pirates Cove you could you could really sneak all around um, you know what they call Bear Point there's just so many areas to explore so you know if if you have the the means and the the will. You know, get, getting on a boat somehow, some way is, is a way to kind of unlock the, the secrets of this area. And then, um, you know, and then there's just some real, there are, you know, people, people don't think of it as a culinary destination, but there's, there are some culinary treats here of big fish and fishers and Jesse's restaurant. I mean, there, there's, there's some real, some real heavy hitters of, of, uh, of, of just really, just the lo- local ingredients done right is the best way to put it. Uh, now that you describe Bob and I, I know I've done okay. it. <laughs> yeah, we, we just, we just, we just gave, we, you know, it's like, I'll get a text, you know, on a very hot day saying, you know, want to go Bob and it's like, yeah, absolutely. And it just, it just means let's just sit in the water and, and, uh, and waste some time. Cause that's, you know, sometimes that's what it's all about. So, uh, in regards to the beach, uh, do you prefer in the sand or the water? Uh, I, it, it, I prefer to be in the water. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm a, you know, there, there's quite a contingent of watermen here, whether they're spear fishermen, scuba divers, surfers, you know, wind people. And, um, I, I've got two little girls. So yeah, I, I spend a fair amount of time in the sand with them, but I, I could, I could spend, I could spend hours underwater, you know, with a mask on and, uh, you know, this, this, there are times of the year when you get that clear water where that's, that's an option here. Other than Gulf Shores or the Gulf Coast, what's your favorite beach? <laughs> well, I, you know, that's, that's a really hard one for me to, to answer because, I, I mean, I, I was a sailor before being a brewer. And uh, I, I've sailed many, many oceans. But, if, yeah, if I said right now you could plot me on any beach, any beach in the world, whew. You know, on Big Island, Hawaii, there's a there's a black sand beach on the south side. It's near, you know, where Mauna Lea is actually erupting right now, and that's the reason for the black sand. And uh, it's just it's got you know the the palm trees when the the base of the palm tree is in black sand, you get that contrast of color and and you know and, and I think I was there in the winter. You know, it's, it's Hawaiian winter, so it's not like you get this harsh sun on you that black sand's like just, just warm enough where it's like you're getting heated from both directions. I don't know. You could put me on that black sand beach in the, uh, in big Island anytime, but yeah, no, I, the, you know, and, you know, and there's surf, right. So it's, it's just like, it's the best of all worlds. But, uh, all that to say, it might just be that that's the extreme opposite of here, right. It's kind of like the grass is greener. We, we have such bright white beaches here that for me growing up here on a, on a white sand beach to be on a, a, pitch black beach it might it just might be just shocking to me that that's why it's so cool uh yeah i mean when you were describing that that's what i was thinking you guys are on the white (laughs) beach so maybe you just want the opposite of that yeah so uh what's your favorite non-beach travel destination uh non-beach travel nation uh you know i guess uh, you know lately it's it's uh i've got some in-laws on my you know my, my wife's side they live in Alaska and we, we visited them a couple of times, you know, since, since she and I got married and the scale of that, that state. And then the fact that it is part of our, our great nation, 
I would love to explore more of, of Alaska. I mean, just, I think you could spend a lifetime doing it. And, you know, when we try to plan any sort of extra exploration there after having family visit time, it's almost daunting at the options. So, I, you know, I think right now uh, it would be the, you know, the glaciers and the mountains and, and the, the areas of Alaska, actually. It's all, it's also, it gives us a chance to take our daughters to see, you know, family. So it's, that's, that's pretty high up there on, on the list to travel. And again, it's kind of the opposite of what you have done in Gulf Shores. Yeah, and, and they have great breweries. You know, they, they, are, they are on top of their brewery game up there big time. If you were going to drink a beer on the beach and it wasn't one of your beers, what beer would that be? Ooh, you know, uh, I, I mean, only because you said your favorite beach beer, that, that dogfish head uh, sequence, man, that's just killer. I mean, yeah, the, you know, it's got the black line. It's got the sea salt. It's so refreshing. You know, it, and they're not calling it a Goza, I don't think, but it's definitely got that Goza style to it. That's a delicious beer. Um, but, you know, my, I would, you know, my, 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 favorite, my favorite beer, if I were to go to a cold beach, you know, because I, I spent time on the West Coast, is that, uh, that Deschutes um, Black, Black, Black Butte Porter. <laughs> I love I love our porter and, and Rod. If you're listening to this, Rod's our head brewer. Uh, you know, I, I sometimes eat, drink our porter and go, man, it's that's a damn good porter, but it's not it's not quite Black Butte. So sorry, Rod, for saying that on on, on recording. But uh, man, the shoot they're just doing good things out there. Uh, that's all the questions I got. Is there uh, anything you think we missed, or anything that you would like to say? Um, no, it, you know, I, I I don't think I gave enough credit to the crew. You know that I have here. We um, we've never had a person in, in six years ever quit the brewery, and I think we've got a crew that that believes in what we're doing, not just the beer, but what we're doing for the community. And uh, I'm just I'm proud to to be part of of leading them. You know, Rod, Rod our head brewer, is, is definitely got you know the reins of this operation. He he is the brains and the magic that goes into the beer. And, uh, you know, and I, and that me and my, uh, my manager Armando, we're the ones kind of keeping things flowing out front, but man, we just, we just had, we just have a very great crew that I, you know, if any of you are traveling here, I don't, don't be shy about inter interacting with, uh, with our bartender specifically They're there. You will not find that, that grumpy bartender personality that's become so cliche in bars here at big beach. I mean, I, I don't know how you can be if you're working at a brewery on a beach, yeah. right? You got it. But yeah, no, I I, I, appreciate, I really appreciate you uh, taking time to, to hear about Big Beach, and and uh, I, I really hope that you, uh, when you're in, in Gulf Shores, you reach out and, and let us know so we can uh, have some face-to-face. Yeah, that sounds great. Hopefully we'll be back there in a couple of years. Great. All right, man. Well, uh, it, was, it was great talking to you, and, and thanks thanks for sharing the, the love of Big Beach with, the, with the, the greater world out there. Anyone listening to the radio waves? Yeah, no problem. Talk to you later. All right. Thanks, Andy. The Thirsty to Explore podcast is part of Brewerism.com, where you can go to search our database of over 11,000 breweries worldwide to help you find your next brewery destination. Information submitted by users who have visited before you to help you plan your trip. We'd like to again thank Ryan from Big Beach Brewing for talking with me. Thirsty to Explore is hosted, written, and produced by me, Andy Erickson. If you have any questions, please email me at podcast at thirsty2explore.com or visit the thirsty2explore.com for more information about the podcast and links to our social media accounts as well as links to brewerism. 
until the next episode, please remember to travel frequently, drink responsibly, and love generously. Thank you for spending time with us. 